Conservative. Constitutional. It's the Andrew Cooper Writer Show, keeping you informed on what's going on right here in Kentucky. And welcome, everybody, to the Andrew Cooper Writer Show, your source for Kentucky political news and a commentary from a constitutional and conservative perspective. Happy, happy Friday, everybody. Um, you know, yesterday I was talking about Vanessa Grossel, this House rep candidate for House District 88, the pretend Republican, the former liberal that wants everybody to think that she somehow has turned over a new leaf as a conservative simply because she is doing what all politicians always end up doing, seeking power. Because of obviously she can't run against Sherilyn Stevenson as a Democrat. Well, because she couldn't win that election. But she thinks if she can somehow attract over some of Sherilyn Stevenson's Democrat voters while also duping all the Republicans into voting for her, well, she can find that power. And in evidence, now I went over a lot of evidence of why this person's a liberal Republican and why Vanessa Grossel's exactly the kind of candidate everybody should go running, screaming from, and no good person with an R next to their name should ever vote for an individual like that, regardless of what initial they put next to their name. And in all my evidence, I left off one of the most important parts. And that evidence is that, well, her donation history. I forgot to tell you that on the federal level, she's only donated one time, well, to one person, one pack. And that pack is Mayor, gay Mayor Pete Buttigieg, failed transportation secretary. While he was running for president, she donated to his pack, not once, not twice. That's the only federal election she donated to. And at the state level, she's given to many, many liberal city council members like Dan Wu, Liz Sheehan and others that are on the Lexington City Council. You know a tree by the fruit that it bears. So once again, I know I covered this ad nauseum yesterday. You can go back, check replays of episodes on theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's theandrewshow.com. But anybody living in House District 88, that's part of Scott and Fayette counties, let's make sure that we either, A, if somebody else runs in that primary, you vote for them or B, when it comes to the general, I'd strongly suggest perhaps not voting for Vanessa Grossel until she answers for all of her liberal ways uh, that she's had up until just a few minutes ago. And I just wanted to fill you in on that. Now, as always, if you want to reach out to the show, if you've got a message for us, feel free. You can email us at info at the Andrew show. Dot com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com with your questions, concerns, and issues. And as always, The Andrew Show is the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, sorry, is available on all major podcasting platforms as well as WZXI, as well as on YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and of course, Rumble. It's available on WZXI, which is 1280 AM, 94.1 FM, and 95.5 FM at 9 AM Monday through Friday, everywhere else at 1 PM Monday through Friday. You know, I checked in on one of my favorite 
um, statutory committees out of our state legislature here in Kentucky. And I say favorite statutory committee because it's my least favorite statutory committee. It's a blight on everything that is conservative. It's a blight on our so-called Republican majority that they passed a bill in 2021 to form this committee. And it's the committee's name is the Commission on Race and Access to Equal Opportunity. Race and access to equal opportunity sounds like a DEI committee to me. Sounds exactly like the kind of thing a bunch of Democrats would go ahead and put together. But no, it was your, well, you know, sterling reputation for amazing conservatives. That is our Republican legislature that decided to vote for that. Now, I'm not, you know, I've been bagging on the legislature a lot recently, and I'm going to tell you, it's not that everything they do I disagree with. They do quite a lot of good things, and when they do it, I'll call them out for that. I am happy that they passed important legislation like Senate Bill 150. However, we shouldn't have to fight so hard for them to pass it. In fact, something like Senate Bill 150, which you all might remember as the bill to address um, this, this ongoing gender theory craziness, right? So this bill passed last year. Senate Bill 150 outlawed the use of sex change operations, uh, puberty blockers, and hormone therapy on minors, children under 18, as well as covered uh, some of our schools as far as uh, having people use the proper bathrooms, what you can teach in the schools, a far-reaching and extensive piece of legislation. And I remind you that this piece of legislation passed accidentally. The legislature and the leadership therein didn't really actually want to do such a sweeping thing. They were quite averse to it. But instead, uh, a bill came from the Senate and a gentleman by the name of Representative Josh Calloway put up some amendments, made an inspiring floor speech, and got those amendments passed. And the reason why he had to pass those amendments is because they had passed House bills uh, to address a lot of this that were dying in the Senate because the Senate didn't really want to take a major step. They don't like to do much at all. And so in turn, Josh Calloway went forward and fought all he could to get a good bill done and he succeeded. But what did he get for his troubles? What did he get for ignoring the amazing conservative leadership we have in this state? Well, he got kicked off his committees. Him and several others that were involved in the process in order to get a good bill done that protected our children here in Kentucky, that's the way he was rewarded. And so I bag on them a lot. When they do good things, like Senate Bill 150, I will applaud them. When they do bad things, I will call them out. It's not my fault that almost everything they do is bad. Um, because even when they do something that you think is good, it is most likely a half measure. They've become masters of that, half measures. And I know some of the legislators that listen to this sit there and say, we do a lot of good work. You don't know what you're talking about, Andrew. Let me ask you, when's the last time you spent less money? It's a budget year. Are you going to refuse to vote for a piece of legislation unless it spends less? Remember, the rest of us, the rest of us have to now pay higher income tax because the legislature spent too much. 
spend too much. Remember, you set out a framework for how much you would spend. And as long as you stayed within that framework, based on the revenues brought in, we were set to get a 0.5% reduction in income tax. You know what? Us Kentuckians, we're not getting our reduction in income tax because you failed to be a fiscal conservative. You failed to keep the budget in line to even what you said you would do two years ago. You spent too much, and now we are paying for it. Are you going to refuse to vote for a budget that doesn't reduce spending so you can reduce taxation? Or are you going to sit there and claim that for some reason the state government needs more money? It's a budget year. And to those of you listening to this, I ask you to ask your legislators the same exact question. Are you going to vote for a budget that spends more of our money? And of course, they'll try to take a cop out. They'll ask you, where do you want to spend less? Well, let me tell you. You could say you could start spending less by not building a temporary house chamber, something I've covered this week as well. You could start by maybe not spending a million dollars on HR contracts out of California. You can start by not giving $410 million to private giant corporations like Ford to build a battery plant that looks like it's on shaky ground and may not ever happen, which, oh, by the way, we fronted them already $250 million. You can start there. So yes, I am hard on our legislature, but that's because when they signed up to be Republicans, they told us all that they should know better. So it's up to us to hold them accountable to it. But what did this committee, my favorite committee, Committee on uh, Race and Access to Equal Opportunity, decide to hear? Well, there's a constitutional amendment that's being considered that would outlaw slavery in Kentucky. And you may be saying, Andrew, uh, <laughs> slavery isn't legal in Kentucky. Um, and that's because you're saying that because, well, you're right. What they're talking about outlawing isn't exactly slavery. They just don't want really mean punishments to those who break the law. We'll have that after this short break. You're listening to the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky political news and commentary from a constitutional and conservative perspective. We'll see you back here in just a few short minutes. And you're back with the Andrew Kubrider Show. Before the break, I was talking about the uh, Orwellian Commission on Access, on Race and Access to Equal Opportunity, something that was put in place by our amazing conservative legislators, don't you know? And uh, I was talking about their most recent hearing and what they went over. And they heard from a number of groups about this proposed constitutional amendment to outlaw slavery. Now, of course, last I checked, nobody owns slaves anymore. Slavery has been outlawed for quite some time. So what, what exactly are they trying to change? Well, they're not exactly trying to change getting rid of slavery exactly in the Constitution. I guess a better term for this would be um, maybe some type of reparations for crimes. And this is what I mean. In Section 25 of the Kentucky Constitution, it currently reads slavery and involuntary servitude in this state are forbidden, except as a punishment for a crime whereof the parties shall shall have been duly convicted. Now, of course, those of you hearing that would say, OK, well, that's a little bit different than exactly slavery or involuntary servitude. Those are people who committed crimes. Now, obviously, uh, those of, of people hearing about this uh, would be told that, well, slavery is just illegal in Kentucky, and so therefore we have to get rid of it, and yada, yada, yada. 
And you, a thinking person, hopefully would say, oh, that doesn't add up. No, no. What they're really trying to get outlawed to be declared unconstitutional is the idea that when a thug gets convicted of a crime, when a criminal jacks your car and wrecks it or breaks into your home and steals from you or assaults you, well, it should be off the table in Kentucky to have an option that they may have to work while in prison. No, they want it to be a constitutional right in this state that criminals get a free ride on our tax dollars no matter what. That is what they're looking for. Now, look, I know a lot of you may be sitting there saying, Andrew, sounds a little extreme. Well, let me let me explain my thought process here for those of you who don't quite understand what I'm saying here. Look, the justice system is about justice. It's supposed to be about making sure if somebody does commit a crime and is found guilty of it, well, of course, that they repay their debt to society. Now, last I checked, getting to lay around all day, eating uh, three square meals a day, three hots and a cot, isn't exactly a punishment per se. It isn't exactly repaying your debt to society. Not at all. No, in fact, you know, if if I would take this a step further, I'd say if your things get stolen and let's say they steal $5,000 worth of stuff from you or $10,000 worth of stuff from you and they get found guilty of this crime and they're unable to return the stuff to you in exactly the same condition that they took it from you in, you know, they stole your car and then wrecked it. I think those criminals should have to work and their paycheck should go to you. Because after all, to all of you out there, once again, grasping your pearls, let me ask you, the justice system is about justice, right? It's about those who've been wronged receiving just desserts, <laughs> getting what they deserve, right? And so if you have wronged me and you've stolen from me, I am the victim of your crime. Well, after all, I should have to be repaid. I should be made whole. You going to jail for six months does nothing to replace my car, does nothing to replace my items that you've taken from me. So you could, once again, and I know there's, there's some of my listeners out there who may be more libertarian, more liberal, more as such, and to those of you, I ask, what better justice system than one where it's not the state who's trying to seek justice, it's not the state who's the one taking you to court, but rather the person that you've wronged, the person who's become a victim of your crime, not, not the state, but the person whose life you've damaged, who's getting made whole. And so this constitutional amendment would outlaw that. Now, similar constitution null amendment was pushed out there in louisiana and it failed and it failed because louisiana does in fact have their um inmates that do work on a lot of farms out there or a farm at least a farm i know of and i know about this because back in september um this here now coming from the associated press uh, article back in September, many incarcerated at the Louisiana State Penitentiary filed a class action lawsuit Saturday 
contending that they've been forced to work in the prison's field for little or no pay, even when temperatures soar past 100 degrees. They describe the condition as cruel, degrading, and often dangerous. Well, yeah, it's not supposed to be easy when you when you've when you've committed a crime and you're paying for it. It's not supposed to be easy. I am all for once a person has finished out their crime, they're out of jail, they're off probation. I'm all for returning all of their rights. And I mean, all of them. They have repaid their debt to society. But are they really paying back their debt once again by just sitting in a jail cell? No, not at all. And they say, well, they're being forced to work for no money. Yeah. And they also get three hots, a cot, play sleep every night. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend it's the best situation in the world, but it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be a punishment. I mean, what better way? You can, you can go out onto the street and be a vagrant and be a criminal and decide you don't want to work. In which case, you will be caught. And instead of giving you that horrible punishment of just a few months laying around, and I know I'm obviously making prison sound a lot better than it is, but still, instead of giving you three months of laying around, how about three months of you doing a job, working nine to five, and seeing what it's like to work nine to five with no freedom to pay back, of course, the taxpayers for their costs to house you, while at the same time, when you get out, guess what? You might decide, you know what? Rather than stealing, maybe a, a life of general labor may actually be a pretty good decision. But of course, this, this, this really goes down to what is our justice system for? Is it for justice or rehabilitation? If it's for rehabilitation, well, then obviously pass this constitutional amendment. And you may be okay with it. And of course, it's going to be sold to you. As saying, well, you know, this is to get rid of slavery. Don't you know? Slavery is bad and wrong, and it is. But this here is this. They will, they will misinform you all they can to make sure that they try to browbeat you into, into going ahead and supporting this. And, you know, best yet, you're going to probably see if this ever makes it to the floor, you're going to see most Republicans vote for it. Because, well, they don't have a choice. What are you going to do? Be the Republican who, who gets the attack ad ran against you that you're for slavery? Of course not. We all know this game and how it works. So I, if this makes it to the floor, it will make it forward for a ballot vote. Mark my words. And who knows what happens? Who knows what happens? It depends on if the citizens of Kentucky are so easily duped by emotional pleas or if they say, you know what? Maybe if you commit a crime, you you should have to do some labor around the county, around the city, and maybe you shouldn't be paid for it either because, well, after all, the taxpayers have to, you're costing us money for you to operate. Now, once again, if you do want rehabilitation, well, that's great. That should be separate from the justice system. First, people deserve justice for the crimes committed against them, and then those who've committed the crimes after they've repaid their debts can be shown rehabilitation, can be shown a better path. But instead, we're asking what should be our justice system to do both rehabilitate and somehow make people feel like they're whole again after being the victim of a crime. And because we're acting, asking them to do both, they fail at both of them rather than concentrating. 
And I know on that story, obviously, some of you may disagree with me, and that's okay. Send me your thoughts and feelings at info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. And if your argument's good enough as to why I'm wrong, I might just read it on the air. And, you know, I can admit if I'm wrong or not, but I think on this one, I'm going to be pretty hard to convince that people who've been convicted of a crime shouldn't get a free ride. That's my opinion. And if you disagree, you better make a pretty resounding argument. Now, speaking of failed systems and asking uh, uh, a system to do one of two things, we do have an update on an unfortunate situation that happened last year around this time. And that was the uh, shooting of Desmond LaDuke out of Nicholasville, Kentucky. Desmond LaDuke, the grand jury um, has heard testimony regarding the situation and has decided to not uh, return charges against the officer who shot and uh, ended up from the shooting, uh, killing Desmond LaDuke. Um, and, and like I said, you may, you may remember the protests going around. Uh, you may have heard, of course, the say his name, Desmond LaDuke stuff that went on. But I'm going to refresh your memory on exactly what happened in Nicholasville about a year ago and uh, to tell you, it just, it just, goes on to point, we are asking the wrong groups to do too much, or we are uncomfortable, not even asking them to do the wrong thing. We as a society are just uncomfortable with people doing what is necessary and what is hard, what is necessary and hard. And it's not always pretty. It's not always amazing to watch, but sometimes things happen and things had to be done. Well, we'll have this story, this update on this shooting after this short break. You're listening to the Andrew Kubrater Show, your source for Kentucky political news and commentary from a constitutional and conservative perspective. I'll have more after this short break. And you are back with the Andrew Kubrater Show, your source for Kentucky political news and commentary from a constitutional and conservative perspective. Before the break, I was talking about uh, Desmond LaDuke, uh, shot by officers about a year ago in Nicholasville, Kentucky. Grand jury has decided not to indict in that case for a reminder of what happened. Uh, basically, Desmond LaDuke's um, aunt called the police because he was threatening to harm himself and possibly others after a dispute he had with his girlfriend. So his aunt calls the police out and they proceed to respond. And Desmond LaDuke is clearly very upset uh, in, in quite a state. And so the police stay outside for an extended amount of time. It appears it was over an hour um, trying to get Desmond to come on out and talk to them so they could do their welfare check. During this process of them attempting to talk to Desmond, Desmond starts pulling out guns and pointing them out the window or, or it, the window was shut. He's pointing them from inside the window at officers, even tapping the guns against the glass, uh, reportedly telling police officers just to go ahead and shoot him. And after several times of him pointing the guns at the officers, uh, one of the officers that was responding outside fired one solitary shot that struck him in the chest, and um, he died from the sh from that shooting, from the one shot there. And, you know, this is an obviously unfortunate situation. Um, it's an unfortunate situation for Desmond's family that he was in that 
process. It's an unfortunate situation for the police that they're put into a situation where there's really no good answer what to do. I mean, I understand that the guy was probably having a mental health break, but what do you want the police officers to do? I mean, let a crazy person wave guns around in public until someone gets killed? No, of, of course not. Now these people marching out there demanding justice, demanding indictments in this shooting, I ask what they would do in the situation. I mean, what are they asking police to do here? And, and, and I get it, you know. I'm not going to pretend like all police are perfect. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like police don't get it wrong sometimes because they certainly do. And when police make a judgment call that is wrong, or don't handle themselves properly, I'll be the first person to say, hey, that's that's not right. And I've seen things in this state and others that obviously is wrong and inappropriate, but I, I, I can't help every time I hear about one of these quote-unquote killings or what have you, of putting myself in that police officer's position saying, what would I do? I get called out to a place because a person's threatening to harm himself and others, and I come up on a guy who's barricaded himself inside the house, clearly going crazy. I can't leave him because obviously if I left, right, not, not only from a moral standpoint, it's the wrong thing to do, but to, to, to those who are out there demanding justice for Desmond, what do you want the officers to do? Leave. If the officers responded and Desmond said, go away, go away. And they said, okay. And they left. And then Desmond proceeded to shoot himself or others, the victim's families or Desmond's family would right now we'd be talking about how they're suing the Nicholasville police department for not having handled the situation properly for causing the death because they failed in their duties to keep the community safe. Cause they just left a crazy man alone when he simply said, please leave me alone. I know I'm crazy and having uh, issues and, and, and yelling and threatening people, but just please leave me alone. That's, they would have been sued for that. So they have to stay around. And then what you want them to just people to just be able to point guns and shoot officers. I mean, what, what do you want to say? What do you want to say to these officers, kids when they get shot? You want to say, sorry, your dad died. The The guy who killed him was just kind of going through something. So, you know, he didn't, the officer didn't have an option but to be shot and killed by him. No, of course not. Nobody in their right mind would uh, continue to allow somebody to wave around guns at them and point them at them and, and their fellow officers without acting. You don't, you you're putting yourself in harm's way. I get that, but you still don't want to die. And you still have a right to defend yourself. So I ask you, what would you do? Well, it seems that the grand jury did ask themselves that question and came to the conclusion that, well, perhaps what uh, the officer did in, in, in the shooting with Desmond LaDuke wasn't quite worthy of criminal charges. I'm sure we'll hear more about this over, of course, the, next coming days. I know I wanted to talk about this uh, as well before we move on. Um, you know, we've been talking about the Anderson County school situation uh, quite a bit over the last, uh, the rest of this week. We've been talking about that. And I mentioned that, uh, you know, the media is going to cover this as little as possible uh, until they can get another story in there. And we do have another 
story. We've got an op-ed in this Anderson County situation by Terry Carter, a Terry Carter, far-left liberal op-ed writer that makes a game of going after, of course, people with, um, you know, religious beliefs and backgrounds. I'll have more on that in a second. But she wrote an opinion piece on the Anderson County situation. Now, for those of you don't remember, real quick reminder, in Anderson County, you had the Briscoe family, their daughter, uh, was pulled out of class by a guidance counselor uh, when the parents found out that the daughter was seeing another girl and said, hey, that's not allowed to happen. We're Christians in this household. Um, you know, you can't be seeing her. And then the guidance counselor injected herself into the situation, undermined the parents and their values and their right to raise their child with the values that they see fit um, and decided, hey, this is this is what I need to do. I need to get involved here. And of course, she's being sued now by the Briscoes. And so here comes Terry Cotter to stick up for the guidance counselor. The first person to really publicly do it. I've seen it online and things like that, but first person to do it, Terry Carter. Let's see what Terry Carter has to say. Now, first she titles this, the Anderson County School Counselor Saga has a much bigger, more sinister backstory. Well, first, as you hear that, you would think, well, is there something more on the Briscoes? Maybe they were being more abusive to their daughter than originally let on. Well, if you thought that may be what she's trying to write about in this op-ed, you would be mistaken. Maybe you think, well, maybe maybe she's actually writing about how the guidance counselor uh, was doing a lot more than they thought they were. Or maybe you're talking about the daughter uh, was somehow did something incorrect, but you would also be mistaken. You see, the much bigger, more sinister backstory has nothing actually to do with the Briscoes, the guidance counselor, their daughter, and that situation. In fact, in this entire article, Terry Carter never actually disputes that that situation happened, nor does she even argue whether it was right or wrong. Instead, she decides to say this. She, she after some preamble talking about uh, the Briscoes and, and the school or the crowd, right? Um, she decides to say that, uh, she decides to start off with, this is a story about the dark underbelly of evangelical politics about lobbying lawmakers in 2024 General Assembly on a topic central to today's GOP platform, school choice. That's right. Uh, Terry Carter's assertion in this article, her big point is to say that the entire Briscoe situation is only being responded to the way that it is because of school choice. She doesn't ignore, she doesn't actually say that it didn't happen. No, the situation happened. And she actually doesn't defend what the guidance counselor did either. She doesn't say whether it was right or wrong anywhere in the article. No. But of course, you noticing, the fact that you notice, the fact that I notice, the fact that everybody's noticing is simply because of school choice. That's the whole reason. I don't know, uh, you know, as, as we read on, maybe we'll see if Terry thinks that um, the guidance counselor was uh, bribed by those pro school choicers to behave in a way so adherent, so awful, that it would push parents to support school choice even more. Um, no, but I, I got a feeling that isn't what she claims. I don't think she also doesn't try to claim it's a conspiracy of sorts. No, she just tries to claim, well, people are noticing that this is a problem, problems we've been talking about for a long time. And while their prescribed solution, well, 
that's that's the real backstory here. This they're using this situation. We'll go over more about what she has to say after this short break. You're listening to the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky political news and commentary from a constitutional and conservative perspective. We'll see you back here in just a few short minutes. And you're back with the Andrew Cooperwriter Show. Thank you for joining us in the final segment. And as always, if you want to reach out to the show, just just email me info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. Before the break, I was talking about Terry Carter's op-ed talking about how Republicans noticing that Anderson County Schools is behaving in the wrong way, pushing a liberal agenda, that they are uh, uh, intervening on a parents', uh, going behind parents' backs with their kids to push their feelings. Well, that's not the real story. The real story is Republicans noticing. We start off by going over a little bit what she had to say, but she says, you know, this story is about the dark underbelly of evangelical politics, about lobbying lawmakers in 2024 General Assembly on a topic central to today's GOP platform, school choice. In a video first posted, then deleted on the Ballard Baptist Church Facebook page, Pastor Randy Adams tells his congregation, God is commanding us to protect our children, knowing they are easily influenced. Unfortunately, after the stand that we made in our community, the whole point of our stand was to say parents shouldn't be in the dark about their children or what their children are doing. We shouldn't have secrets from parents. And it wasn't much longer that Brad Briscoe reached out to me. Then she says that Briscoe goes on to tell his story. Now, what, what's the problem with anything that Randy Adams said? Do you see anything wrong with what he had to say? No, of course not. But why'd she even bring it up? Well, she brought it up to somehow push the second part. She mentions how she first heard of Randy Adams when Randy Adams, as a school principal at Anderson County, a uh, principal of their alternative school, said he would not be hiding from parents the pronouns usage of, uh, of, of when kids, you know, want schools to use a certain pronoun different than a biological pronouns. He wouldn't be doing it and he wouldn't be hiding it from the parents. He made that he was suspended for saying that that's what he believed in. Um, and then of course he then left his post. Now, what, what uh, Terry, uh, the author here, Terry goes on to claim is that, well, his manifesto, as he called it, his manifesto when he made a post saying, look, I'm not going to lie about people's genders to their face or to their parents. Um, he became during which, and, and, and so his manifesto spreads. And then she now brings in the executive director of the Family Foundation, David Walls. Um a man she says she's never seen nor heard of before. Now, of course, I've known David Walls for years. I've known David Walls since he first moved to Kentucky from Texas, where he was doing work for a family foundation there. Then he was moved here to do work uh, here in Kentucky, I believe, in either late 2020 or early 2021. So I've known David Walls since then. It's not my fault she hasn't heard of him. It's not his fault. He's been out there doing the work. Now, of course, Terry Carter hates David Walls because David Walls pushes the kind of legislation that, well, would make any far left crazy liberal paganists like Terry Carter uh, run screaming for the hills about because, well, of course, it actually stands for something. It's, it's something that doesn't tear apart this country, something that allows children to have innocence. That's the kind of things that David Walls wants to get done. And Terry Carter, well, she just can't have that happen. 
So, of course, she says that, well, it's no coincidence that when the Anderson County School Board happened recently with Briscoe and then hundreds descended, her words, descended to the Anderson's County School Board meeting, that then um, David Walls suddenly appeared in the situation. He suddenly, David Walls suddenly talked to him about it. She goes, oh, that, that, that's obviously pointing to something. So what she what she's getting to here, right, is that these people, like David Walls, like me, like you, only care about the Anderson County situation because we're trying to push school choice. And her final piece of evidence to this <laughs> is this article, this point right here. Okay, you ready? If the protection of our children is the goal, Recall Pastor Adams telling this congregation, God is commanding us to protect our children. Where was Adams this summer when Patrick Brandy, Anderson County Schools band director for more than a dozen years, was indicted on four counts of first degree unlawful transaction with a minor, promoting sexual performance by a minor, third degree rape, and two counts of third degree sodomy, first degree sexual abuse, and unlawful use of electronic means to induce a minor to engage in sexual activities and tam tampering with physical evidence, she says, well, Adams is nowhere to be found. In fact, these hundreds of alleged Christians that were at my school board just this past week in Anderson County, they were nowhere. They didn't show up. They didn't speak up. They didn't show up to the meeting. So clearly this isn't about God at all. It's only about advancing a political agenda. Well, you're missing something, Terry. You see, the piece of trash you just described, the band director who's been indicted, Patrick Brady, that guy right there was, keyword there, indicted. He faced punishment for it. You didn't have to show up in mass to get the government to do the right thing in that situation. And I'll tell you this much, if the school board had dealt with this situation, you wouldn't have seen hundreds showing up either. Hundreds are only showing up because nothing is getting done, Terry. That's the difference. And I don't know if you're too thick-headed or so blinded by your own liberal beliefs that you're unable to comprehend this idea that conservatives don't show up about every issue. They show up about the issues that people aren't addressing. If government is addressing an issue, there's no reason to show up. Imagine if you would, somebody down your street gets murdered, they do an investigation, they indict someone. At the next city council meeting, after somebody's arrested and in jail, facing trial, you show up and say, what are you doing to catch the guy? What are you doing to hold them accountable? The guidance counselor in this story with Anderson County isn't getting any kind of treatment. They're not getting any pushback. They're not facing any kind of repercussions. But no, Terry can't wrap her mind around the idea that somebody disagrees with her. She can't argue the fact that the guidance counselor acted inappropriately. She can't argue the facts of this story. Instead, she wants to say, look, you all pretending this is about your Christian beliefs. That's not what it's really about, this classic liberal. Well, you're not really Christians. No, this is really about school choice. This is really about your political goals. That's all this is really about. No, oh, Terry, it's not what it's about. It's about making sure that when something bad happens to somebody, when something wrong occurs, they're held accountable for it. And it just so happens, just so happens, that a lot of times 
government does the right thing when it comes to holding people accountable a lot of times. But when they don't, it's our job to step in there. That's when it's our job to demand something and something, Terry, I think you perfectly well understand, but you've been struggling for the last several days trying to think of a response to what's going on. Because you couldn't just say what she did was right and betray how you really felt. So instead, you decide that this story was just being used. They wouldn't be getting this much attention if it wasn't being used. That's what she claims. Terry, let me tell you something. It's not being used. These people feel very strongly. I feel very strongly, and others do. And I tell you what, if that band director, after those charges surfaced and the evidence of that came out, and if that band director hadn't been uh, dealt with, we'd be showing up there too. You know how I know that? Because here on this show, this show, other than a local newspaper up in Greenup County, I've been the only place in media that's covered what's gone on with Raceland Worthington that has nothing to do with LGBTQ stuff and everything to do with uh, teacher reportedly grooming students, the exact thing Terry is talking about here. I have been talking about that. But hey, you know, that doesn't show up on your political radar, does it? No, because it doesn't have to do with your liberal agenda. Well, I had a lot more stories to cover today. Things actually about school choice and uh, a great op-ed wrote um, by uh, Rich Gimmel and Jan Scavdahl and Caleb O'Brown. I'll have to cover that probably next week um, to deal with that and and talk about uh, some, some of that issue surrounding school choice while Dan, Daniel Cameron stayed away from it. I'll have to, yeah, I'll have to cover that next week. But thank you all so, so much for joining us. I hope you have a great weekend. Thanksgiving's coming up here soon, so enjoy your time without your family. Uh, I appreciate you tuning in. As always, you can visit the show at theandrewshow.com to see prior episodes if you've missed it, theandrewshow.com. You can also, uh, as always, tune in Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. right here on WZXI or catch you at 1 p.m. everywhere else. And if you have questions, comments, or concerns for the show, feel free to email info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. We'll see you guys next week.